Hi, I'm Daniel, and welcome back to episode number four of the Last Minute Corner pod- podcast for football fans by football fans. Today, joining me is Jack and Adam to talk about the world of football and this week where the footballing world has been shot for the European Super League. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, make sure to subscribe for similar content. First of all, as always, without mentioning European Super League, how are you boys feeling now? Doing all right. Good to be back. A um, couple of weeks off from the podcast, but I think it'll be a, an interesting return given the the week of news we've had. So what a week to come back! I know, right? <laughs> How about you, Adam? How are you doing? Ah, not too bad, Daniel. Not too bad. Um, I got all the emotions at the weekend. Rangers won the old firm, and then Arsenal done Arsenal things. So that was fun. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. So, I think well, the, well, the European Super League being the main thing we're going to discuss today, we'll put that to the back burner for now. Um, I think one of the other biggest news stories, and we do have to bring it up, is Mourinho leaving Spurs. So, what's your thoughts on it? Um, yeah. Thoughts on it would be, I probably was surprised. I have seen it coming for a few months, but I, I expect them to give him the cup final. And that would have been like his his last chance. If he wins the trophy, you know, let him stay or at least let him play the game. He he did get there after all. So it was a little bit of a surprise that he went so soon. Um, but I, I honestly think they did it while other big news was happening, just to kind of not get too much attention on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not massively surprised of the sacking more just the timing of it yeah i think for me i was massively surprised and i do think there's something fishy going on whatever it is you say there's two explanations in my eyes i mean we're speculating here before anyone gets offended but either it's done by daniel levy so the news doesn't seem as dramatic and nobody talks about it or two it's the reports where Mourinho was so against the European Super League, and at that point, Spurs were uh, well, had created to... a massive. T- and then this was almost a tipping point because when I mean, you look into Mourinho, I mean, if you're going to hire a manager to win your cup final, you get Mourinho. And I mean, it shows pure research from the podcast, but I saw a statistic yesterday. He's dominant. You would get in, in a one on one game with Guardiola in the final, take Mourinho. So you wouldn't want Ryan Mason as your manager, no? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's younger. No offence to the boy, and I hope he does well, but he's younger than half the players in that squad. It was a strange one. Um, To get rid of your world... I mean, he is still world-class, whatever, especially when it comes to... Cup finals, yeah. To get rid of... There's something else going on. The the, the timing just seems wrong, and let's be honest with Spurs, unless they have a dramatic cup ride. The season previously done after this cup final for them, and what you're going to put Ryan Mason as the charge of the top four. No disrespect, he might be the best I've ever seen, but to put a rookie in that scenario and say that's a plan, I don't believe that's the case. Well, what does, what does the Arsenal fan think? <laughs> I just I don't get the timing of it ultimately. Um, it was going to happen, like it, it's looked that way for a while, but. I just don't get doing it six days before a cup final unless you're trying to deflect from 
worst news that your club's created in that time. Yeah, I agree. Um, like, yes, they've not been exciting to watch. The league positioning's poor. The Zagreb result also really didn't help. But, I mean, you can win a League Cup and get sacked anyway. Like, it's not yeah. like him winning that League Cup forced them to keep him next season. It just probably meant you kept him till the end of the season. They're not going to qualify for the Champions League now. They'll be lucky to finish in the top five. And I don't see how Ryan Mason improves those chances. Yeah. And so it's a good point. Suspicious for me is Daniel Levy is such a money man, as we all know. That's why I find something else is going on. If he even kept Mourinho until the end of the season, which we all know is kind of their season coming, mm-hmm. he would have probably saved a bit of money in compensation, as, bl- as blunt as that sound. But... Yeah, that's, that's what confuses me, though, because, I mean, Adam is correct to point out their league position is not good. The Zagreb result does stand out as probably the low point of their season but they didn't sack him after that result they didn't sack him after he dropped out the top four they sacked him when the season, their season's kind of been done over the Dilly Cup for for at least a few weeks so why now? Why leave it to this point? They haven't come out and said we've got another manager lined up and that's why so I just don't really get it I can only think they're using the other news of the week to try and distract from this, not make it a big story. Yeah. There's but, something else going on. Don't think if news cycle was normal, what would have happened in this? That don't feel final. That would have happened. Yeah. Obviously, the big questions are what's next for Spurs and what's next for Mourinho? Spurs, obviously, all their fans want Anglesman. Does he go to Spurs if they're not? In the Champions League, I'd be surprised. Um, and Mourinho, I don't know what's next for him. I always think he's going to get the Portugal job, but I don't even know if he'd want to do that at this point. I think he might be on to some of that. I don't, I'd be surprised. I don't see him back in the Premier League just because he's done all the big clubs essentially now. And you wouldn't, he just never would go to Arsenal. We all know that. It's going to um, end up like Sam Allardyce. And he's not going to go to City. And I don't see him taking a middle level to bottom half Premier League team so I think possibly it'll be the last thing we've seen that him in the Premier League I might be wrong but do you see Nagelsmann going to Spurs? I I can't see it I just see it's a bit of a sidestep he might go because it's it's a step down they always keep going on um, about and they do have good for all the rest of it so I guess if they sell it enough and they promise on a budget or whatever but I don't. If I was him, I would. But I would. I've, stranger things have happened. Well, so. I mean, coming off the back of reports from last week of you know Kane maybe looking at maybe I should get out of here and, and go win a trophy, and maybe Son is having contract talks over the next few months as well. Maybe that's played into it, but we'll like probably, that. I mean, we'll probably never know. Them two are quite vocal about Mourinho leaving. They don't seem too impressed about. Apparently Kane so, was one of the ones who actually liked Mourinho and backed him. Yeah. So oh, he was getting his, almost form of his career with Mourinho as much as his team was struggling. So, Absolutely. Um, Same with Son as well. So, so we'll see. Strange but, one. Yeah, I think to add to bring that up, it's hard to mention another football because I feel like what's going on has been... But to be fair, one game that wasn't affected by the European Super League was the Old Firm one, which I know Adam would probably happily talk in the podcast about it. Um, a nice win for Rangers again, and 
probably put Celtic directly in the mud now. Um, yeah, so any thoughts on it, Adam? That was fantastic, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. No bias at all of your there. No Celtic fans yeah. thinking, hmm, is this for us? Ultimately, Celtic had chances. Um, so they can only really blame themselves. But Rangers done their work in the first half. Out with a few of the Alan McGregor saves. I don't think any of the chances were that clear cut. Um, Kennedy coming out on the Friday and saying that Celtic were still the best team in the country and stuff. They put themselves in that position. Yeah, I think it was um, fuel well for the, the fire, game. I agree. 100%. Um, and you could see for the start how, how up for the Rangers players were. Um, it was just professional. They say they got the business done early and then they looked solid and compact and they looked really dangerous every time they countered. Um, Stephen Davis yeah. at 36 just strolling about the pitch for fun. Um, I think that's the word professional. I would even say it's Rangers' best performance, but no, but, but it's something they always need to get in old firm games was this level of role and it generally looked like they controlled Celtic as much as Celtic maybe had better chances at points. I mean, you were never, as a Ranger fan, you were never sitting there, I would never stretch the game. They were, had a couple of chances, but I was never worried they were in the ascendancy. And yeah, you never got that feeling they were getting back into it. No. Um, and as you say, it's just another nail in the coffin. For, I mean, that was Celtic season's done. It was as much I might be a biased as a Rangers fan here, but I wanted to win against him. You always do, but if we just ended winning the league this year, that was it. I'd still be quite happy. That was the biggest thing this year. For Celtic, you feel like they had something to play for more in this one. And it just didn't seem that way. It seemed like Rangers were the team that had something to prove. And I think it's quite refreshing as a fan to see that. Um, I think that is the attitude that Gerard's built, though, is that, you know, we've won the league, but don't just sit on it. Well, these yeah. players look hungry to win more and more trophies, prove that they are the best team in Scotland. Um, as whatever Celtic want to say about that, they're not the best team in Scotland at the moment. Clearly not. Um, I, I like watching Rangers at the moment. They always give yeah. you a good show. They're an entertaining team to watch. Be a major rebuild there in the summer. It'll be interesting to see with the Celtic lineup out next year compared to this year, considering half their players are on loan or out of contract at the end of next season. It'll be interesting who ever gets that job to work that. There's certainly a lot of questions, like you say, with the, the number of players on loan, the goalkeeping situation's not really great right now. It's, it's, I still don't think Scott Bain's the number one for an old firm side. Um, Edward looked uninterested at points on Sunday. And then even guys like I, I has been linked to a big move for the last two summer windows. Like, is he really going to be there come the start of the next season? Um, and oh. then even losing Scott Brown, after the amount of time Scott Brown's been there and been captain there, it's still a big loss, even if he maybe doesn't play as much now, yeah. just in terms yeah. of his leadership. At the yeah, time. in that training room, you know, yeah. you want to have him there. Well, at the time of recording, I mean, I don't know if it's actually, well, in terms of it, when it's published, it might be out. There'll be a podcast going, there'll, not a podcast, there'll be an article going up tonight on the page where I look at the players that are leaving Celtic, so... If you want to go and head over to the Twitter at Last Minute Corner and have a little read in more detail about the project rebuild that's going on at Celtic, um, because it's a massive job for anybody that's involved. And uh, you've probably spent a whole podcast talking about the Celtic under 
account. The chief executive changed in that as well. They need to do something. Um, well, but anyway, I think. Can we avoid the topic any longer? I think we've done enough. Just, uh, I warned the boys before the podcast, no explicit. So we'll <laughs> see if they can keep. Um, so who wants to start in their well, angry rant? My club was probably the one starting this in the first place. So I guess we'll we'll open the floodgates. Um, ridiculous. I mean, an absolute joke that these teams think they can break off and do this. I mean, we should probably summarise what's happened. Everyone knows what's happening, but 12 teams breaking away to a European Super League, six from the Premier League, three from Italy, three from Spain. Uh, there was supposed to be a further three joining as founding clubs, um, which I think they were hoping for PSG, Bayern and Dortmund. Never going to happen. And then a, a further five teams who would be in rotation every year. Um, it would have been a disaster for football. So in case, in case there's anyone who hasn't massively into football last night, what are the implications then if this, something like this happened? I think we need to explain why there would be such an outrage. Yeah, I mean, this. it was put forward as more of a replacement to the Champions League, but it's unregulated, doesn't have any governing body behind it. So it's being led by the, the owners of the big teams. And when I say the big teams, I mean the teams that have got the money. Because Man United, and especially Joel Glazer, has put his name on these statements. And Man United are not in the Champions League. We will qualify, but we're, we're in the Europa League just now. And we are most years. In what world do we have a right to say who gets to play in Europe mm-hmm. against the big teams? And it's mental to me. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm ashamed of Man United's ownership. That's the baseline where it's, it was replacing Champions League, which has merit, but possibly might be changing, but I'm not going to go touch on that today, but it's been merit more so than the European Super League. Well, far more so. Um, as much as I do think the Champions League has problems itself, it would have created a world where teams just got automatic bags exactly. and it defeated. So what I would be the point of the, the Premier League? Outrage. What would be the point of the Premier League? You know, my United finish second. I think we've had a good season this year. If this was next year, what would be the point? All we've done is not win the league. We haven't qualified for the Champions League because we always play the big teams in Europe, which I don't want to see. The whole point of the Champions League is you only do play. My United play Real Madrid once every five years or something, and when it comes around. You get excited. You want to watch it. It's, it's exciting. It's, uh, even the, you want, especially anything, you want the teams to meet later in competition. So you know there's more to play for. Like That's what makes exactly. the Champions League final. And that's so interesting because you're like, like last year, like the build up in Bayern PSG, the two best football teams at the time that seemed in Europe. And you're like Mbappe versus Lewandowski. You're saying that, what, every month or so? It doesn't. Well, the the part of the Champions League that I think people are less interested in and that gets less viewers is the group stage. And mm-hmm. this this idea is pretty much just to expand the group stage to two leagues of ten and then you do a playoff in the summer. But where is the... 
the whole point of it being a knockout competition is that there's a risk. There is, you know, do you push up and put everything on the line? You might concede, but you might get this away goal that'll get you through. What is the point of that if you're just playing at the San Siro for a draw? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the only good thing about us is that all of our clubs <laughs> were part of it, so we all have a bit of appreciation for each other's emotions about it. I think you make kind of joke like Channel 4 esque, please do not swear. I'm going to ask Adam his opinion, but he usually is the most out of all of us. So, Adam, how do you feel about it? I will try and control my language. Um, I mean, I should be delighted about it because, as a national fan, <laughs> the chances of qualifying a for the Premier European competition is tough. So I should be delighted. We don't even need to qualify. We just turn up and it's fine. We're there. Um, but I spent the majority of Sunday and yesterday just seething. Just how out of touch these owners have proven themselves to be with football fans is bizarre. Well, they think they're saving yeah. football, not killing it. That that was about. I was listening to Fiorentina Perez's thing where and how sixteen to twenty four year olds don't watch the game and we need to shorten the length of football matches to make it more appealing and stuff like this guy just doesn't have a clue, no. and he's the controlling voice at one of the biggest clubs in the history of the game. He's uh, not even right. An over seventy year old guy is telling us how we feel about. I think what actually needs to be addressed and. I mean, as I mean, for the broadcasters of here as well, is that football needs to be more accessible. Absolutely, viewers drop because, like for example, I can't afford BT, so I don't have BT. So then they'll probably drop viewers and go, "Oh my God, why are people not watching it?" Because we can't afford that. You're spot on, Daniel. It's exactly what I was just about to say. If you're saying that we don't want to watch it because it's not entertaining, that's just not the case. Yeah. Right? That nobody believes that. It's because you finish your work, you go home on a Tuesday afternoon, Chelsea are playing Porto, oh, I don't have BT and I don't have £30 to spare a month to pay for BT. So it's not an entertainment thing, it's a financial thing. And the reason that's even the case is because of them in the first place. <laughs> so they are so greedy. They're getting us to pay more money to watch the football and then when we can't afford it, I they're don't saying even started on actual match data. Exactly. I mean, I'm going on about it's it's absolutely baffling. I mean, I, I think if any of us want to go to a Premier League game, you need to save up for the season to go to one game. Yeah, I mean, you're you... talking a two hundred pound day out, what a fifty, sixty pound ticket, twenty pound food in the stadium for just what a juice. <laughs> well, Daniel, that like... that's a great point, and I was listening to a podcast every day, and one of the people in that made the point that they don't really care about people who have season tickets because someone has a season ticket they pay in this example it was chelsea they pay 900 pound a year for their street they buy a shirt and then that's all they do they don't yeah. go and spend 100 pound in the mega shop before the game they don't go and buy hot dogs and chips and all this stuff they just go there for the football they'll go to the pub beforehand they'll maybe buy one shirt a year your traditional football fan yeah. exactly they don't want that if they get rid of them, the club, but the stadium will still be full on match day, but it'll be full with tourists who will be spending more and more money, £100 a ticket instead of £900 for the year, 
and their profit margins go massively up. But you lose what is what football's all about. You lose everything. The, the worst part of my United playing pretty good this year is nobody's in the stadium to see it. There's no atmosphere. Sitting at home is not the same. No. It's not even the same as sitting in the pub with your pals. None of us can afford it together. That, but I've always wanted to become a season title. I mean, that's the dream. That's but a dream. Just now it's more of a money. It's not, and that shows the problem with the game as it is just now. And they were going to make it even less accessible. What? An away trip to Inter Milan four times a year or whatever. Yeah, and then you, what, you get to you get to the knockout stage. Let's say you do get to this playoff. It's not going to get played in England. It's not going to no. get played in probably Europe. You're going to be playing it in New York City and Beijing and Qatar because that's where the money is. How can you ask these working class people who have supported Man United their whole life, supported Chelsea their whole life, to pay up thousands and thousands of pounds to go watch their team play in Qatar or go watch their team play in, in New York City? It's absolutely ludicrous and it is criminal. And the yes. fact it's been shut down and they've all come out and said, oh no, we're so sorry, please don't forgive us. Well, please forgive us. Well, no, <laughs> we're not going to forgive you. You yeah, know, well, it's... this has just been put on the back burner. Do not expect this to go away forever. They're going to come back in a few years, make the same Try power play, yeah. and they're going to keep trying to get this done. Do not let I up. Think... Yeah, I think it's the fan is that I'm glad we focused the first part on it. Where I'll talk about the irony of the teams being involved and the rest of it, because I think, especially if Adam being here, we need to discuss that. But um, it's the fans that's the most important thing. It's the dream of your club being able to do anything like the Leicester season if it goes to this then what they win the Premier League and they might get an invite to the Super League or and you talk about even just the money side this will only drive prices up if this ever happened if you wanted to go and see it because the Super League you know you'll get investors and it'll be I think I showed a Fenway earlier being like Oh, this corner to you by Dunkin' Donuts. It'll literally end up yeah. into it's as much as I like the NFL and that I would Americanize it and it's not what football is about. It's just completely it's not a pro I think a lot of these owners see a football as a product and it's a, as you say, it's a way to merchandise it different ways. Yeah. But they you view can it never as be a fan going with his kid if it's as his image at Avalon and um, having the same scarf you've had for years and in the team in the pit. It should be it's the dream. It's what you're supposed to do. But this way it's supposed to get people visiting from all over the world who go, oh, is that their best player? I might get a top with him on it and buy a full strip or whatever. And it, that's the problem. I, I'm yeah. sorry. I know I'm blabbing, but I'm no. Just so just before mad. I let just before I let Adam jump in, we'll have a, a discussion about um, the clubs that were selected for this. I just want to briefly say you, you hit it the nail on the head there, Daniel. They're not viewing this as a competition. This is just an avenue for content and entertainment. Mm. They're viewing this as purely Netflix puts out a TV show or a movie every Friday, and it gets millions and millions of views. If we have a streaming service or we partner with one that already exists and every Friday, every Tuesday, Wednesday, we can say, here's two big teams playing each other. Even if you're not a massive football fan, it seems like an event, you'll want to watch it. And that's what they're going for. They probably would have made it more gimmicky that like you're talking about, the shortening games and that. I mean, Absolutely. Eventually, I mean, it's the, it, 
want to end up like basketball or something. You want to go all-star matches. We make a tiny pitch and there's only six players on it. Basketball is a good comparison because there would 100% be European all-star matches where I have to watch my United players play alongside Liverpool and Man City players as if I'm not supposed to look at that and go, what the hell's going on here? You're supposed to be rivals. And I think, yeah, we should probably go into which clubs were selected from, especially England, because there's a few in there that... (laughs) Eyebrows were raised, let's say that. So Well, I think I know um probably I'll put a bit of shade at Adam before we start. I think the irony is that the the teams that are invited, I mean, for example, Falka, who are about to get relegated this year from the Bundesliga, made the Champions League quarterfinals before Arsenal, like more recently than Arsenal. So I mean if that doesn't sum up in one anecdote that issue that's here and to be fair to Adam as much as I'm saying that he's I know he feels the same about it it's ridiculous I mean I'm sure he will have about Spurs for a similar reason <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous um, yeah so you want to take the Spurs side Adam I'm sure you'll like that but... in terms of Arsenal Arsenal's invited for one reason really they still sit within the top five or six most valuable teams in football every year and it's down to history it's not down to what we've done in recent years um because ultimately as we've all laughed and joked about at my expense over the last few years arsenal haven't been very excited for a while um spurs makes no sense to me like they, they don't even have much historic success, never mind current success. Um, Got to that one final. It's like Pep was saying yesterday about like Ajax weren't invited. Ajax have four Champions Leagues. Four of the teams in this, including Arsenal, don't have one Champions League between them. Um, so how can you determine that Arsenal or Spurs are more deserving than Ajax that dominate domestically, they were in a Champions League semi-final just a couple of years ago, they were lucky to end up kind of throwing it away late on against Spurs. Um, they've produced some of the greatest players that football's ever seen, and yet they weren't justified to win an invite. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, it's all about money. Boys club and Arsenal were invited because they have rich owners and they're still a well-valued business. But not because of what they do in the football pitch. I'd say they're also valued as, as kind of a, a big name for overseas fans wanting to watch. People know the name Arsenal. If you see Real Madrid versus Ajax, a lot of people in America are going to be like, well, don't really know Ajax too well. They're not big on their football. But they'll know Arsenal because they have a brand around them more than Ajax do. And that's what this is it's just brands it is purely who who's got the most money will let them play each other they'll make more money you'll get a bigger drop off between the big teams and the small teams and you'll never get another story like Leicester again and it is it's brutal well, but that's one of Perez's other points is all oh, when we have more money we'll be able to spend more money when we're buying players from other teams but you handpick these guys when they're 15, 16 from youth academies. You don't pay a penny for them half the time. Um, and we would just see more of that cherry picking the players now. 
Well, as much as it's worked for Chelsea Advantage for a few years now, I mean, our loan academy proves that. I mean, we just, for the world, find the best players on our youth academy, loan them out for about six years until we go, we'll pick like one out of this batch there, and the rest will sell off our profit. And I mean, it's a business model at the end of the day. It doesn't help these players or what football should really be about. I mean, yeah, I mean, as much as this is terrible, I do think we need to mention the Champions League is also ridiculous as a concept anyway. Maybe it is a way for change. Even in the Premier League, I mean, what? West Ham, if they finish fourth this year, they'll qualify immediately for the Champions League. But the champions of Russia, Belgium, Scotland, these sorts of countries have to go for knockouts. So how is it the Champions League? Russia qualify straight away because they've got money. Um, but Scotland's a great example. I mean, because... Rangers have shown this year what they can do. I mean, and I don't want to tell you, same as me, how long we have to wait to qualify. It feels like our season starts right after it finishes half the time. You know? yeah. Got eight qualifying rounds at the And And that is where I agree with the fact the Champions League needs reformed, not replaced, but reformed. Um, and a big part of that is saying... We don't need five teams from Spain. We don't need five teams from England. You know, mm-hmm. unnecessary. You're always going to have one of those. Yeah, you're always going to have one of those clubs from one of those countries winning the Europa League nine times out of ten, usually Sevilla. And at that point, you've got five Spanish teams and maybe not even one Scottish team. And then, yes. you know, we don't often get to see uh, a Rangers or a Celtic play against, you know, the equivalent level in the Spanish league. But Rangers have proven this season that if you put them up against these teams and you give them a chance, they're good enough to compete. So why I don't they get it automatically? such a money divide. I mean, I, don't, I, I, I looked into it recently, I did not realise how much of a money gap, which I think there is such a big thing on the top four in the Premier League in that, is the money gap even between the Europa League and the Champions League. This is what's creating the biggest divide, is that the Champions League, you get far more money for being involved. Like what? I think I'm sure £2 million pound you get for a win in the group stage, which for a team like Rangers or Celtic, it pays for a player. <laughs> I mean, it's as big as that. I mean, ever we, we go on in the media, like, Edward, what costs Celtic £9 million, look how good a player he's been for them. I mean, that's a, just a Champions League phase, but we don't get access to that, and it creates a bigger disparity. But I do think it's probably we should probably drag it back to the Super League, but and let it go <laughs> where SUA fun FIFA act and all high and mighty now where it's the people game or whatever they're trying to use is just as well. I mean, the good thing to focus on here is that it's not happening. They've all pulled out. There's a bit. I mean, there's three teams that are still saying. That they might go ahead with it. Like, you can't do it with three people, though. <laughs> like, you need a full week, and all the English teams have pulled out. That's half the teams you already had gone. Oh, good um, luck to them. I'm sure that they'll absolutely crumble if they try to do it. So, um, I'd, let's be honest, as much as we, and I hate all the monopoly as they are, you know, the English team, it's not really. The Premier League, financially and commercially, is the biggest world. If you don't have them involved, it's done. Exactly. As much as Real Madrid and Barcelona are big teams. And that's the thing. I mean, you can talk about how much money 
these teams were getting for joining the Super League, but Arsenal can't afford to not play in the Premier League. Christ, mm-hmm. they will not manage to do that, especially if they're playing against big opposition every week. You know, we've talked about them in previous weeks and even earlier in this podcast. They're inconsistent at best at the moment. Do Arsenal fans I mean, want to see them? The league yeah. table never lies. Exactly. That. Do sure, Arsenal, I mean, a mid-table team. Yeah. Do Arsenal fans want to team. see them getting beat by the biggest teams in Europe most weeks? Every week. They will, they will get results because it's just the nature of football. But the vast majority of these games, they're going in as underdogs. And that's not how Arsenal should be. It's not even really how Tottenham should be. But so I, I just don't I get it. We need to discuss, and I'll be interested to see what you think about it. What sort of punishments? Now, I mean, they have backtracked, but do you think they should be punished? And if so, what sort of punishment should this club get for even trying? Should we put a marker down, or are you worried if it's too severe a punishment that there's repercussions? So I'll be interested to hear what you think should happen in terms of the next steps, because there is going to be inevitably a next step. I don't. It could possibly brush them the carpet, but now they can do that. Yeah. Anybody fancy taking that man? <laughs> I am fine with Arsenal being docked points because we've just about got enough to get relegated this year. So I feel like if we were to lose at most ten, we'd be fine. That would dock us to about thirty-six. I feel safe on thirty-six, so I'm okay with that. Um. Any more than that, and I would start to get a little bit concerned. But I don't think there is too strong a punishment for this for me. Um, these clubs have shown how greedy they are, so the bank balance should definitely take a hit in terms of fines. Um, they've threw the game into total disarray with their actions. Yefa's response to this was obviously much more severe than they tend to respond to, you know, major issues in football. Um, but I mean, like, when I was sitting Sunday night, if Arsenal had been told they were getting kicked out of the Europa League semis next week, I'd have been fine with it. Um, yeah, I, I still would be fine with it. Yeah, 100%. I, I wanted to sit last night and think, well, they've came out and they've, they've fixed a mistake, but ultimately it's a mistake they should never have had to fix. Um, so I mean, I would still be okay with it. I'd still, it's easier to get kicked out the Europa League semis than you know be embarrassed by everybody else. So. Well, I think it's seen. I think it's seen a crime at the end of the day. If people just do a crime, they still have to pay, even though that they admit they've done something wrong. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think the problem is is what you say. When we use the word club, we're more mean the owners, which I think for me the punishment. You would maybe go down more of a well, money of course. I mean, it has to be, but for them, that's nothing. But possibly going down uh, rather than a points deduction, which I think would affect the players and the fans more. I feel like um, punishments in terms of financial fair play or transfers. transfer dealings or um, banning from a European competition because that's where the most money comes in from. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, so. If it came out, I think I would do is just say to them, not none of you are getting to play Champions League football next year. I think throw the no book European of them. Football. Throw the book of them. Give PSG the Champions League. We'll have a Roma Villarreal final for the Europa League. Dock them points or just say that they don't qualify for the Champions League or Europa League. Give some other teams a chance. It's got to be the 
financial commercial side of cats because if what you take ten points off all of them, I think the owners are going to care. No, <laughs> I mean unless it makes them not qualify. But some like City or United, if they both get top points, they probably will still make it to the top. Well, yeah, like, because they're the biggest rivals for top four. Exactly. Points as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, there's a disconnect between what we would call the club and what we would call the team. Um, I really like this Man United team at the moment. I've got a lot of love for these players. But the club... Almost getting explicit for you, Daniel. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't stand the club. I can't stand the owners. And I can't stand that chief executive, Edward, who... Thank the Lord... There is a silver lining to this that he's gone at the end of the year because he's been absolutely criminal since he's so come brought into Ed Woodward up. Do you think that was going to be a domino effect for owner? Or what do you think? The, st- the stock price is going down, and that's good because if the stock price continues to go down, the Glazers will sell off their stocks. They're all about money. If they start losing it, they'll act to try and save themselves. So if I want us to bomb on the stock market will still survive but they need to go it's not a new thing it's been talked about for years they are toxic for this club and they're toxic for this league and they've now proven that they're toxic for the whole of football so as i said to you boys yesterday i will stand side by side with arsenal fans chelsea fans man city fans if they're not happy with their owners and want to get them out happy to to stand side by side with you on that you talk about the share prices. You should just rather than buy your Chinese tonight, buy a wee share it's of Man United. It's start It's payday. I'm gonna go buy Man United. It's payday. <laughs> but yeah, I think. Do you see there being a domino effect? I think. I think Gary Neville summed up quite well last night. Getting rid of Ed Woodward is not solving anything as much as. It's a start. With him. It's the. They're just, they're just the men of these owners though at the end of the day so it's the owners that need to go but i don't i don't know if it'll be a domino effect what do you think adam do you think woodward going will cause a ripple or do you think this is just going to be a flash in the pan and then in a couple of weeks things will be back to normal i think it needs to cause a ripple um, i think this amongst many other things that especially speaking from an Arsenal point of view that Cronkie's done while he's been in charge at Arsenal um, he's proven himself to be nothing about football, he's always been about money um, so would I love to see him out at Arsenal yes, but do I see the Premier League and UEFA being strong enough to try and force some of these owners into selling, not really um, but you look at some as much as we're speaking about like this being an American kind of idea the NBA forced an owner to sell the other year for racist comments. Um, we barely punished players for doing that on the pitch in football. Um, so my worry is that, like you for last night, my, the Seferin sorry came out and said that oh it was good that Man City had had like reversed their decision. All that stuff kind of concerns me as to what punishment we're actually going to see here. Yeah, they're already almost congratulating them yeah. on just correct on their own mistake rather yeah. than saying right they've done it but we're still ready to deal with that so like I'm, I'm very much with Jack in terms of I would love to see Kronk out of Arsenal um, he, he's never brought anything to the club he's overseen us become the mid-table side that we are right now um, 
and it's why obviously me and you've discussed Arteta before Dan it's where I've still got sympathy for Arteta because mm-hmm. the amount of nonsense that goes on in the Arsenal boardroom every year it's impossible to just focus on football um, yeah but I just you have to throw the book at these guys for what they've done like I've seen that John Henry for Liverpool come out with his supposedly emotional apology this morning the guy's not emotional he doesn't care he just knows that right now his reputation with the fans is quite short and the fact that Jamie Carragher was so passionate about Monday Night Football didn't help him in two weeks these guys won't give a fuck again I don't know what they expected. I, so I had to slip eventually. <laughs> fudge, yeah, yeah, I know. I, know I, what you mean. I don't know what they expected. I, I had a, a bit of a feeling that they knew there was going to be a backlash, but they thought they could stick it out. And at the end of the day, they're still going to make more money. But I don't think they expected the fans to come together the way they did. Yeah. I think they kind of thought, well, the United fans will protest the Glazers, the Chelsea fans. We'll, we'll be happy with Roman Abramovich, but also the, the way that the community that came together against well. him. I mean, because I think even they might have tried to ride out fans, because I mean, nobody cares what anyone says on social media anymore if race exactly. people are. So, I, but I think it's ex-players and ex-coaches come out. What were you going to do? We'll have like Gary Neville and I saw John Terry put something up yesterday and that we're going to have all these stalwart of the game just go... Yeah, we're not supporting it, and the yeah. clubs still go ahead with it. I was never gonna. Well, you see, happen. previous players and previous coaches. I think a big part of it has been current players and current po- oh, yeah. coaches. Jordan Henderson's statement: What's going to happen? What would have happened if Liverpool still went? Yeah, we're going to try and play exactly. that. They I mean, probably would request transfers or whatever. I don't yeah. know. The talk from United is that Woodward tried to go down to the change room and and you know, calm down the players and assure them what was happening, and they just slammed them. Um, Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw apparently being at the centre of it just, you know, the guy had no answers for what they wanted to know and a few hours later the guy's resigned so what does that tell you about him? I, I really wish there was like, as much as I think at points was dodgy but like the Amazon cameras at one of these clubs when all this would come down well, There must be somewhere because United aren't doing it, Tottenham are still doing their second series or third series at this point so that will be there will be footage somewhere. Um, one of the other big clubs, Man City, I think, are doing it as well. So there is footage of this from behind the scenes, not from United. I would love to see. But God, yeah, it would be interesting to see. to see. Woodward was resigning anyway. That just that, uh, he just forgot to mention it before. I've been <laughs> I've been resigning that. for months. Just announcing it was today. Just a good time. I liked his uh, I liked his resignation. His wee bit that he wrote. It was really good. Where he didn't acknowledge any of the Super League stuff whatsoever. And basically made out that your Europa League and FA Cup that you have won was great success in his time. He is a coward, and if he really wanted to say, "I've been resigning for months," actually, don't announce it at the most embarrassing no. time possible for you yeah, as an individual. It's um, exactly the, the same as a Mourinho shady fan where they've chucked up at this point and. Uh, I do. I know what Mourinho. Well, I don't know Mourinho, but we know what Mourinho's personality is like. He can hide it. I do think he would be the type that spoke up. And Daniel Levy probably went. I was going to probably sack you anyway, but there's four in my hand. Exactly. In terms of City and Liverpool, they've probably got the two highest profile managers in world football right now, with maybe Mourinho. Yeah, and I agree. 
them publicly speaking the way they did about it. Um, I, I thought Pep's quotes was great yesterday around it not being a sport if effort doesn't relate to reward and um, Klopp made it very clear the day before how he felt about it. I don't think these clubs expected their managers to be so outspoken. I mean, City cut Pep's press conference short yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, like there was still a good 10-15 minutes and they're like, oh no, sorry, we're busy. Like, <laughs> it's not because he's answering questions we don't like, it's just, you know, there's other things we need to do today. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's gone from a huge negative to quite a, a positive turn in the football community. I mean, I have had to accept that I like some people who, as a United fan, I wouldn't normally like. Um... Liverpool players, Liverpool managers, Leeds players and managers. I mean, not an opinion I expected to have, but I had all this respect for them. You've so always been a Bielsa fanboy, Jack. You need to mention Marco Bielsa. Bielsa by name here, Jack. You need to just acknowledge your love for them. Just you go over said to that if you could have any other manager at Man United, it'd be him. So let's not pretend for the podcast just because. Just as a, a slight United. disclaimer for people who aren't involved in our usual conversations. I've never said that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can hear your voice saying it in my head. You've definitely said that before. After yeah, a few drinks, maybe. We live in a democratic world, so two on one. So, yeah. Go and join a, a Super League used to, then I'll, I'll stay here on this podcast. <laughs> what would you find entertaining is if, you, uh, if the punishment was that these the teams from the Premier League couldn't play in next year's Champions League. And if you look at the table as of right now, that would give the four spots to Leicester, West Ham, Everton and Leeds. I'd sign up to watch that Champions League. It sounds quite that's, interesting, actually. That's what I think should... I think the Champions League where it hits them the hardest. I think that's that and transfer bans, like Jack said as well, is that that's where the money's at. If you can... If Chelsea can't loan off all the players or whatever or if United can't sell or sign the striker they want, they're going to struggle next year and get less financial reward for selling people. That's where you get these well, it's, it's why Arsenal are where they're at from not qualifying for the Champions League in the last few years. It puts yeah. you in a position where attracting bigger players is difficult. Uh, you're needing to take more gambles on players that aren't quite world-class yet. And if or you they're just not. Wrong, which Arsenal have done a few times, um, you're not going to qualify for the Champions League well, because you don't have the quality there. Pepe's an example. I think he's a good player. Nothing against him. But do I think he's Champions League quality or do I think he's even winning the league quality? No. Would I have him in a squad of a team like that? Probably. Would I ever start him in a team? Would you say he goes into a Liverpool or a side or even a Chelsea? No. Even a United. I even, I mean, even United. I think that's, and they've paid 70 million for him. But I think, as much as I'm not digging necessarily at Arsenal's fin there, because they don't have Champions League football, so they need to pay these inflated and build the players a bit because they don't have like, an elite competition. And I think yeah. that's where you, as a punishment, you can hit these teams. But I don't know, we'll see. I don't think anything will happen. I'd be surprised if. If it happened and Bielsa and Leeds won a Champions League, can you imagine how Jack would feel? I'd probably celebrate, to be honest. Something out of the ordinary happening. It would be too much reform, but I would just wish they just went nuts a few, we're just going to give it to the champions of other leagues instead. That's what I would say. See, I think yeah. that's, well, it's strange. 
it's quite strange. Yeah, like, one of the teams that were looking at joining the Super League on the back of these 12 was PSG. They're not even winning their league this yeah. season. You know, they. Pro- I think they probably will still end up winning that, but they're not at the moment. So why aren't Lille getting an invite? They would be chucked in with that rotational five that would come in and out every every season. But that also doesn't make any sense because what if a team from that five in rotation wins the Super League one year and then the next year you're like, sorry, you don't have the money to be with us anymore. Goodbye. And You're only here for one it. year. So they're doing a quotation by clubs. I mean, what? Nottingham Forest have won a European Celtic have won a European Cup. I has ever actually won a trophy before. Oh, I mean, when you... The Italian team's invited. Inter and AC haven't won a league title in a decade. Inter's not won a Champions League in roughly a decade since Mourinho. Yeah, it's done nothing in Europe in the last not been anything for a lot of years now. Juve, with winning the the, uh, the the nine league titles in a row and getting to two Champions League finals, what, three, four years ago now? Haven't really done anything since. Ultimately, if you took Ronaldo's goals away, they probably wouldn't be a top four side in Italy right now. They almost um, aren't a top four side in Italy right now. Another thing we talked about in the article, and it's maybe my allegiances to ours, and you can be a Scottish side here, but... How can you call it a European Super League if only three countries are involved? I mean, exactly. what's European about that? Well, they actually didn't call it the European Super League. They were just calling it the Super League. Right. Because they wanted to leave the door open for, oh, we'll bring in an MLS team one year. We'll bring in a, a team from China. You know, they're just wanting to make it, oh, you make a lot of money in America. We'll have you. You make a lot of money in Asia. We'll have you. And they would have done the same with South American teams as well, I imagine. But... It's not happening at the moment anyway. I do think it will come back in some form and they'll, they'll keep trying to push this through because it's Perez's dream. Um, but I'm glad to see it's been slapped away just now and I hope it leads to further positives for the for the teams like United and, and Arsenal if they can get a little bit of... Uh, maybe a bit of a handle on their, their owners and try and change things up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was fun. So I think that's kind of maybe wrap it. I think we could go on all day, but wrap it up probably is the better point here than ever. Um, I only swore once. Just the one. I'm impressed. (laughs) On a more serious note, I do want to make a point here before I finally conclude. And I think Adam has touched on it a couple of times already. The biggest joke for me, and I want this to stand point in the podcast, and I'll keep it brief, is how much of a reaction this got more than racism did. As much as I love football, I mean, we're all football fanatics, racism is bigger than football, and I don't feel like I should need to say that. Yeah. Um, especially the UEFA reaction. They took days on Andre Kudela's um, decision that said, we'll release a statement soon, and then, with, and then what, and um, the minimum amount. But could these teams leave for a Super League they might get kicked out of European competitions and players will get banned from internationals. What precedent does that set for our society, not even including football, that the football competition is more important than racism? Yeah, the money. The money is more important than the players themselves. Money is more important than an individual being. I mean, that's... uh, We have to finish on that point. I think it's important we had the Super League... I do think it is a big problem and I am an advocate for change for this. 
but as a tiny in comparison to the racism pandemic that's going on just now. And the fact this is even been at broadcasters and pundits and whatever, why did they speak up so much about this? And the racism thing has kind of been brushed away already. I mean, I think Gary Neville did mention it to be fair. This was the big, that's what made it even worse. This was a big weekend for the Premier's campaign as much as they all do nothing for them to campaign against discriminatory um, behaviours. But the owners released this, so what, we're now talking about this instead. We are, our podcast this week is on this, whereas we should be calendaring racism again. Well, so, yeah, I mean, we, we have talked about doing a podcast on the fact that they've had all these racist incidents in the last few years, uh, and I think especially after the uh, decision from the, the Rangers and Slavia Prague game, we had a lot of uh, opinions on that that could have been discussed. And this is, more than anything, a distraction from other stories. It's a distraction from Mourinho getting sacked. It's a distraction from the fact that they're trying to sweep under the rug a confirmed racist incident by banning both the perpetrator and the victim. Because now we're talking about UEFA being the good person here, whereas a week and a bit ago, everyone was, well, I say everyone, but it's quotation mark, that seemed thinly veiled was on their back because what we're all back to normal again i'm not saying everyone because i mean there is a lot of people advocating for change but the fact it was more the amount of reaction was got i think that's i do expect reaction i'm glad people stood up that's not the point here it's more racism should have more of a reaction if this is the amount of reaction this get it should be this and some whereas and even if 10 percent of this reaction got given to racism we'd see direct change tomorrow in the game absolutely um, and i think that is the point we should probably end on is that this is not what we should have to be talking about there's more important things for us to discuss right. um but we couldn't really avoid the topic unfortunately we oh. had to discuss the super league and the Super League will drift away and it will come back at some point in a different format. But the racism that is across European football at the moment isn't going anywhere. Yeah. So I think in summary, we can all agree that as much as we want to move on, we can't really forget what has happened with the Super League. It's clearly a blatant paragraph for money and it's not what football is about. It'll be interesting to see the repercussions. Come follow us at Last Minute Corner on Twitter where you can let us know what you think about the European Super League and where do we go next? Do you think there should be punishments? You can also find links to our blog, which has a range of analytical pieces from a range of football leagues where you can get your daily football facts. Make sure you let us know what you think and leave a five-star review. It really helps the podcast. Thanks again for listening and join us next week where we'll talk more football.